0: Welcome to the Topeka First Podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com/giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, it's great to see you guys, and uh, you know this is a great time of year as we wrap up this year, and we're getting ready to jump into 2019. Who thought 2019 would ever come, for goodness sake? Well, it's not here yet, but it's on the way. All right, well, I want to speak to you this morning uh, about finishing well. You know, we're we're at the end of this year, and we're looking towards another one, but it's easy for us to be able to start out well uh, when we begin a race. But usually, uh, it ends up catching us, and uh, we may get caught up, You know, there's trending uh, news stories that happen now, just it's different now. You know, it used to be the trending news story was on the newspaper or it was in a a magazine or something like that. Uh, But now it's on the internet, right? And so those things are trending and they come and they hit your phone all of a sudden and you, you find that something's taking place. Well, usually they're trying to get you with one picture, right? Uh, But a lot of times, what we see in a race is we see the beginning, a picture of those in the beginning, and we see this big crowd, and then we see the ending when they're coming along uh, past the uh, finish line and breaking the tape and such. Uh, But uh, running the race is not just about starting. Uh, Really, running the race is about finishing well, and we do that only by God's grace it's so easy for us to think about the beginning or the end that we miss out and we ignore the middle of the race, which really is an important part of the race. It's very important. Many of those who started out well and uh, uh, struggled to keep going, but some limp home after the first runners have finished and have gone home and others fail to finish at all. But we're going to look at a striking example uh, in the Bible from somebody who... Uh, Started well, but finished poorly. Now, uh, that person was one of Israel's greatest kings. It was King Solomon. Uh, and there's some great examples in the scripture where, where people did finish well. And I think that we can learn from Solomon this morning over here in the Old Testament in 1 Kings. Uh, we can learn from him, but from those who have uh, ran the race to the end, we can emulate their lives. We can let them be an example, but for Solomon, we can learn maybe from the pitfalls that he walked through in his life that threw him off course, because we can all be thrown off course at times, can't we? Just the facts about it. Uh, A former president from Moody Bible Institute said this. He said, it's important to start right, but it is imperative to end well. Also, the Greeks had a race in their Olympic Games, and in, in this game uh it was unique the winner was not the person who the runner who finished first but it was the runner who finished with his torch still lit and we need to be people and should desire to be people that run across the finish line with our torch on fire for some of it for some of us it may not be real bright but it's still there that's the goal right we want to get across that finish line Let's look together in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, as we start out reading this morning. It says this, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David. His father was King David. Because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. He had his failings, though. We know that. Uh, You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. He's humbling himself before God. Your servant is here among the People, You have chosen a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord is pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So it's kind of here that the Lord basically says, since you were humble and you weren't selfish... Uh, this is what I'm going to do for you. Then if we jump over into verse 12, it says this. It says, I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there, will never be, that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And we see that God goes on to say, I will give you, in verse 13, both wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. So you do need to notice here that God does give him some conditions. He throws some conditions out there for him. And uh, we're going to walk through this together a little bit. And really, those can, we have conditions as well. But The first thing we're going to look at is that of God's divine favors. God provides divine favor for Solomon. And right in the beginning of his reign, the Lord met with Solomon in this dream, and the Lord granted him remarkable favor. Solomon asked for wisdom. That's what he needed. Not just knowledge. Knowledge is one thing, but wisdom is more important. Because of this smart choice, the Lord not only granted Solomon wisdom, but also wealth beyond other kings in that time. And we know if we, you study Israel and what was taking place at that time, his kingdom expanded at that time more than ever. It's somewhere around 1,000 B.C., somewhere around that time, 3,000 years ago approximately and we see he goes all the way. If you know any of your geography, some do, some don't. He went all the way down to the Gulf of Aquaba. It was, it was a massive kingdom. And God was working in that kingdom there at that time. And, and God gave him international fame. But no one could have had a better start uh, than this king did with God-given privileges and gifts and possessions and, and than Solomon. He just had a lot of stuff. Yet none of it prevented him from ending his reign in disaster and incurring the Lord's anger and correction. And so yet, it, it was a problem. It was because of all these privileges, maybe, that the, that the Lord judged Solomon more strongly. He held him accountable. And let's apply this to us. You know, we're 3,000 years down the line. We're a ways away from this. And if you're a follower of Christ... You are the, the privileged recipient of the divine favors of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And he, as we know, the scripture tells us in Ephesians that we have received every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. But none of these things in themselves will ensure our future prosperity as a body, as a church, or as individuals Uh, We have to be willing to follow the Lord and finish the race well. We don't want to just start well. We want to start well. And some maybe have started well. Others may not have started well. But, hey, we always have an opportunity. God gives us an opportunity to be able to end well. And so the last thing we want to do is maybe become complacent like Solomon did. And I think it's a warning to us as followers of Jesus today. Now when the Olympics came to the United States back in around 1904, uh, we had uh, there were some uh, games held in St. Louis, and there was an unusual entry into the marathon. Uh, it was a small Cuban mail carrier. His name was Felix, and Felix announced one day to his fellow postal workers in Havana uh, that he was going to travel to the United States, and he was going to uh, run in the marathon. And uh, so this guy decided to quit his job. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any backing to do it. But he quit his job, and he started begging on the streets of Havana to be able to raise enough money to be able to get on a boat and come to the United States to uh, participate in the games. And somehow he got enough money to be able to make it to a state, the stateside. And when he did, he landed on a, on a, with a boat on, uh, the, at the shore of New Orleans, and there he lost all his money in a dice game. Oops. And uh, so he hitched rides to St. Louis. He made it there. He arrived hungry and rags. And then me- uh, members of the American team took him in. They took him in. They tried to help him out. And uh, he had no running clothes, no running shoes. Only had his, he only had his heavy street shoes. You know, you just don't run in those things. If you've ever had running shoes, you know they are light as a feather. And here he is, so he cuts his uh, pants off at the, at the knees so he can have a better running chance, and he has these big shoes, and he, he hits off in the race. And uh, here we go, he's uh, running the race with everybody else, and he gets, he's in the lead, he's well advanced above everybody else, it, it's hot, it's humid, but he's used to it in Havana, it was not a big deal to him, so he was ready for that. And people were dropping off the race left and right because they couldn't handle that. And so there's two miles to go. He had this lead, and then all of a sudden he looked to the side and he saw an apple tree. There were some green apples there. Probably wasn't the best idea. And he takes uh, some apples and he eats those green apples, with, ends up with severe stomach cramps. He lost the lead. Although he did come in fourth place, he was able to move uh, back into the race, doubled over in pain in fourth place, and of the 31 starters that day, only 14 finished, and he was, of course, fourth among them. So, so Felix here, he did uh, he did finish the race, but only if he he wouldn't have been lured off by the apple trees on the side of the road. Sounds familiar maybe to Adam? We don't know that he ate an apple. He just ate fruit. Scripture doesn't say apple. Well, he started off well. And are there times when you have started off well only to allow something to lure you off of the path, off of the journey, the path that you are running on, and it's easy for us to, ha- to happen to us because there's those little things we see along the side that may, uh, make us think, oh, that's cool. And so we're going to run that direction. And we've looked at uh, Solomon, we've seen divine favor in his life, and, and now let's uh, consider Solomon's divided loyalties because we see that he has a little bit of division, division of heart. And here in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 to 6, we find these words. And it says, King Solomon, however loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Let me just start off by saying this. I love the Bible because it doesn't uh, pull any punches. It just tells us how it is. Now, uh, verse 2 They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, here's the command of the Lord, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Verse 3 said, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. Well, it's true. But on the other side, he made the choice. We understand that. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. I'm thankful I've got one wife. And, <laughs> yeah, and she said me too. <laughs> As we move on here. As as the heart of David his father had been, he followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Amorites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. As we notice through the scripture here too, we go on and we can find out that he was helping build uh, some of their, their uh, worship places for these false gods as well. So there there are many things that we see happening here in this passage, and we don't have time to talk about all of them. Just not not able to do that. But there are some realities that we need to absorb. And after describing the glory of Solomon here in chapter t- or over in chapter ten. The writer of First Kings uh, begins this next chapter with a note of contrast. King Solomon loved many foreign women. He was pulled off the way, and the following verses really show us the huge number of wives and concubines uh, that Solomon had acquired. I kind of uh, remember a friend of mine who is uh, in West Africa who is a former Muslim, and he came to faith in Christ and one of the because he only had one wife, I was surprised and I ask him, well, because it was normal, they could have, what, four wives, anything after that's a concubine, and that's current stuff, and so, for Islam, and so, he was like, one's enough. <laughs> uh, I agree with you, that's good, <laughs> and so, uh, with their blessing from the Lord, amen. So, there's a lot of things that happened here, and, and the first thing you can't miss is that Solomon practices polygamy. Uh, It means more than one wife, and while polygamy is not specifically condemned in the Old Testament in the law of Moses, it's rarely practiced, although it was, and almost always leads to disaster, and the lives of patriarchs illustrate that disaster. We still live with the consequences of their choices today. Uh, The great struggles of the Middle East today are partly to blame for some of the failures of those in the past, we also know that polygamy was not God's plan in the in the beginning. That's evident from what Genesis tells us. God didn't create Adam even Amy. Uh, God des- designed for marriage is one man and one woman. Period. That's the way He designed it. And, and most of these women that Solomon married were chosen from royal families of other nations, so that he could forge. Uh, so that he could forge political alliances with other countries. Now, we understand that God gave Solomon wisdom. He had some good smarts, but choosing to compromise his spiritual values for the sake of his politics may have seemed good to him at that time. But it wasn't the best. While Solomon's reign did enjoy peace, and they did, his, this decision of his was completely condemned by the Lord because he disobeyed the Lord's command. Uh, even Israel enjoyed great benefits, but it was really only for a while. They, they, were, they benefited by the things that he did. And, you know, there are many things that we can have short-term benefits for. But really, for us as followers of Jesus, we have to look much further than just short-term benefits. Because we're called to follow him, and if we're called to follow him, we know that there's a long-term benefit, and we want to serve him and know that we will be blessed when we do. Really, the Lord didn't call Solomon on the carpet for his polygamy. You would think that that's what he would do, but the Lord didn't condemn Solomon because these women were from different races. It had nothing to do with the intermarriage in that sense, from one race to another, as as some would, would see it. But that's not the case. In fact, uh, they they were in trouble. He was in trouble because they had followed false gods. And he was like, you can't marry these guys because they are serving false gods. Look at what verse 4 says there. It says, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God. What we see is that Solomon had a heart problem. He had a heart problem. And the, the command of God was that they were not supposed to marry these people because they served the false gods. And we aren't saying that his choice of polygamy was good. We're not saying that at all. Uh, but he started out right because he had been blessed by God. The Lord had met him a couple times. But then Solomon turned aside he went to that apple tree, right? Kind of like Felix. He, he decided to, hey, this is cool. This is the, this is the, the fast track uh, to make a very strong nation. So we have to apply this though to our lives as followers of Jesus in this day, 3,000 years later. Do you have a heart problem? We have to ask ourselves that. Is it affecting your race? Is it affecting how you're running your journey of faith? The, the best remedy is to start with a healthy heart and keep it that way, right? But we all know, as we saw the guys in the Old Testament, and we even see, saw some in the New Testament that they messed up, and, and they didn't always finish right. But the thing is, is we want to be able, if we mess up, choose to come back and then finish well with our torches lit a young lady in the or a young man in the army confided to his chaplain and he said i've never dated a girl if uh, if he was within 50 miles of home so his loyalty only went 50 miles to his girlfriend right yeah that young man's girlfriend had a reason to be jealous imagine how god felt about solomon in that scenario imagine how he felt Loyalty is important in relationships, it's important in marriage, it's important in our friendships, it's important in our relationship with God as well, and uh, the question we have to ask, is our loyalty like Solomon's? If it is, we can make corrections, right? We can make those corrections and to be able to follow the Lord back in the path and not be pulled off by other things. God has favored us. He desires uh, our loyalty, but we're going to also look at some de- disastrous consequences, because what we understand is that sometimes the consequences that we face in our lives as individuals not only affect us, it affects, uh, it affects others. It, in fact, it affects the ne- next generation. Now, it's popular, today's world, to say what I do is only relates to me it doesn't relate to other people. That's a farce. That's not a reality. Uh, you can talk to psychologists and counselors who walk people through some really challenging things in their lives, who they were products of someone who treated them poorly. Let's look at the disastrous consequences here. And we find Solomon's consequences here in chapter 11, uh, where we find his spiritual bankruptcy. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9 to 13, it says this, The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had uh, forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. That is tough stuff. Now he's, you know, he's in a theocracy. That's what they call that, where God is the king. Although this guy here is the king, he's set in order because Israel wanted a king. They wanted somebody to lead. It wasn't God's first choice. He didn't really want that. But that's the way they ran, and so he allows that to happen. And then we go through Saul, then we go through David, and now we have Solomon who's, who's really just seen things work good uh, politically and for the nation, but now he messed up because he's, he's uh, ha- made all these alliances and has all these uh, uh, wives that he was not supposed to marry. And verse 12 says, nevertheless, and God's first of all, he's going to take that away He says, nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. So there's kind of a caveat there, and the lord's like i'm going I'm not going to take it out of your hand because of your 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 father David. He was faithful and uh but I am going to make sure that I take it out of the hand of your son, who will receive the kingdom after you and sort of all outward appearances Sol, solomon's policies they seem to work well as evidenced by Israel's increasing influence in that whole area. So it seems like some great things happening, but everything in Solomon's life and kingdom seemed to be good. Everyone in Israel was happy, except for one person. That one person was God himself. He was not happy about it. And the Lord became angry with Solomon, and the Lord diagnosed his heart problem, and the consequence that was Solomon's outstanding reign as king would be followed by disaster. Now we understand it's not all bad, there's still hope, right? There's still hope in the kingdom, there's still hope for Israel today. The scripture speaks of them being saved. Solomon's outstanding reign is going to be followed by disaster. And each one of us, uh, we are fully accountable to the Lord for the choices we make, and uh, who we love and his commands that we either follow or we ignore them. But every day and every choice we make affects our future, whether we will finish well or poorly. I think it's important for us at this stage as we're talking about the end of this year, the start of the next year, but especially as we finish the end of this year, that we don't throw condemnation as we hear what is taking place here, that we don't feel just condemnation. But I think that it should challenge us to say, you know what, Lord, here I am as I am. I am imperfect. That's the way these guys were. They were imperfect, and then we ask God for his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, and then we move forward and say, you know what, I want to finish with the torch lit in my hand because it's so easy to get up and say, woe is me, look, look at how much I've messed up or look at how much this or that has happened, and the little things that pull you off the side like the apple tree that's a little green, right, then you get a stomach ache. I think for us as followers of Jesus, what we need to do is look up, is look up and look to the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to help us so that we can move forward at the end of this year and end with our torch lit, and then as we go into the next year, start with our torch lit, and then when things come, we look to Him and we allow Him to help us so that we can finish well You know, the pressures of life, they're always going to come. They're they're usually going to reveal the truth and how you've been running and the the real state of your heart. Uh, uh, May we continue to run faithfully and finish this year. May we continue to serve him as we run this race of life in obedience or following Christ, our Savior. And while we're thinking about the end of this year recognize that God has good things in store for us as well you know he really wants each and every one of us to end strong I think sometimes people think well I don't think God cares for me it seems like nothing works right or something like that and people are like I don't know how he, I mean, he really cares but he does care he cares no matter what your situation is even if you put yourself in the situation he cares doesn't he You may say, well, you know, Pastor, when we look at Solomon, we look at this in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, you said that is Old Testament, that's Old Covenant stuff, Uh, but have you read some of the things that Jesus said when he spoke about the kingdom of God, the Messiah? Over in Mark, chapter 4, verse 14, he said these words, and he's talking about the the parable of the sower, and, and this is what it says. It says, the farmer sows the word, or sows the seed. Some people are like, seed along the, are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word, the word of God or the, the good news of the kingdom that was sown in them. Verse 16, others like seed sown in lucky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. They're all excited and it's wonderful. But since they have no root, They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept the word. Or accepted and produce a crop some thirty, some sixty, some hundred times, what was sown. I know as a pastor and having served the Lord over the years, and many of you know what it's like. You'll see those that come in and they're excited about hearing the gospel. They're excited about hearing this message, and then you and they they drop off the way because this or that happens, and then you get to these others where you see those that the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches. All those things come in like thorns to to crush them, to choke them. Or maybe they're pulled off to the side by eating a green apple. Along the way, they end up with a tummy ache. I think for us as followers of Jesus, we have to make sure that we don't turn the laughter to the right. uh, But we follow the Lord even when those things come our way because they will come our way, won't they? They do, they have a way of trying to crush us, but if we will look to the Lord and allow the Lord to work in our life and trust him, say, you know what, Lord, I'll do it your way, not my way. Solomon kind of chose to do it his way. God blessed him in many ways, and God still worked with him over the years, especially because of the nation of Israel, his chosen people. But I think that for us, and God blesses us, but we also must look to the Lord and allow God to work in our lives. You know, we don't have to end up like Solomon did. We don't have to end up that way. We can finish well. You can finish well. Why don't you say this? I can finish well. I can finish well. You can, and I believe you will as you look to the Lord in faith and trust him. You may feel a little bit like the Cuban runner Felix. Maybe you feel exhausted, weighted down with the big old thick heavy shoes that weren't meant for running. Maybe in jeans or whatever it was that he was wearing that he cut off and, and was wearing just to, just to make it into the show, so to speak. Maybe you feel like things have ran over you, but don't give up know that the lord is here know that the lord is available and you have a race to run and he will assist you and he will help you in every step of the way don't be lured off the path with the lord you may have been lured from running the race with your family you may have been lured from running your race at work you may have been lured from running your race in other areas of your life but don't run away Even though Felix did not win the marathon in the Olympics that year, he ran back onto the track, even with pain in his stomach, and he finished fourth. You, too, can come back. You, too, can come back. You can make things right with the Lord, and you can make sure that you're going to serve him. It may not be an easy road. It's not always an easy road, is it? We realize that, but Jesus will accept you with open arms, and he will say, you know what? I'm here for you. Jesus, he, he, didn't, uh, he went out for the, not, the, the, the lost one, right? He went out for the lost sheep. He didn't, he didn't just come in for, for everybody else, but he came for those who were struggling. God's grace is available for each and every one of us today. Would you stand with me? And would you do this? Finish your race with your torch still on fire. There's still got to be some fuel in your torch. There still has to be a little bit. And you know what? If you start running out, look to the Lord. Because through the work of His Holy Spirit, He can add fuel to your fire. You may say, you know what? I'm burned out. I'm toast. I can't do anymore. Well, you may be. But God is able to help you. And I trust that he will sustain you. Let's pray together and then we'll worship the Lord with this last song before we're dismissed. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you call us beyond ourselves. You call us to follow you. Father, you call us to learn from how Solomon handled things. And you have called us to accept your word. And run with your word. And allowing you to help us at every step. Father, I pray for each person in this house. As we look to you in faith. We pray that you would sustain us. That you would fill us with your power. And that you would help us to finish our race well. On fire. In Jesus' name. Amen.